Live to tape. Welcome to Millennial Season 2, Episode 31. I'm Andrew. I'm Elisa. I'm Laura. And I'm Matt. Is everybody excited for the release of the new Britney Spears album, Glory? Glory. Isn't the resounding silence tell you how we feel? I I think that's your answer. Serious question. Did anybody love Britney Spears? Like, you know, in the 90s or the early 2000s? Totally. I loved Britney Spears when I was a kid, but... Mm -hmm. You know, then and like I turned thirteen and I realized she sucked. So <laughs> I think I, you know, yeah, Br- her most recent album wasn't that great, but anyway, uh, Glory comes out this Friday and there is a bop on it. It's called "Do You Want to Come Over." I'm gonna force you guys to listen to it. I I did listen. Nobody should be alone if they don't have to be. Should be alone if they don't have to be. So. I'm dancing. The best part of this song is that, oh, you may have just heard it, a beer can opens up like 10 times throughout the song. Were those wow. children? Were those children? <laughs> those are her sons, yeah. In that chorus? No, I don't know. No. <laughs> because it her sounded kids are in there drinking beer. Like it sounded like Britney Spears if Britney Spears was recording kids bop. <laughs> anyway, Britney stands who have stuck with Britney through all the hard times, they believe this is her best album since Blackout. That was that How many one. albums has she had? I think this is her ninth. Glory is her ninth. No. Yeah, I think so. Uh you can Google that. I don't uh, want to. Oh. I think the last <laughs> album of hers that I know anything about is the one that had that awful Rolling Stones cover on it. Oh. Get no. Right. That song? Yeah. yeah. That's the what that's the last album that I listened to. It was Oops I Did It Again. Yeah, yeah. Second album. This that is- was like 1980. No, when that came it's out. 2000. Yeah, approximately. That is correct, Elisa. Before we were born. Yeah. This is her ninth studio album, by the way. Um, it did leak, so you can listen to the whole thing. I, I, I think it's good, actually. I'm, I'm pretty impressed. And that "Do You Want to oh. Come Over" is going to be. I didn't like- mind her other one. What you make me? It's not like make me. Yeah. It's not a great song, but yeah. I like it. I like it a little better than this one. This one's kind of all over the fucking place. But this bitch, she is the, so she's on Carpool Karaoke tonight, Thursday night, and they released a trailer. She's not karaokeing; she's lip syncing. That's what karaoke is. No, no, Man, karaoke is where you go oh, up right. at a bar right. and you sing. Out loud. <laughs> Anyone who's seen Carpool Karaoke will All know right. that everybody actually sings out loud with James Corden. Oh. So poor James Corden is sitting there singing "Toxic" by himself while Britney's just mouthing it. So embarrassing. Wait, really? Who? <laughs> Why? She's she can't even sing her own song. I know, right? You know. <laughs> and you would th- uh, now we'll see what the whole segment looks like. But in this preview, they show one song, "Toxic," and she's not singing it. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> Which makes me oh think the whole God. thing is going to be that way. 
Right. Does she, they does would, she act like though that she's singing with him? You know, because she's in the mouthing the words. like she's like, yeah, like like they're kind of she's kind of, they're kind of into it with Corbin. They're kind of just like going back and forth and pointing to each other with their lips. Yeah, well, she's doing that. He's actually singing. Anyway, anyway, that'll be fun they're- to watch. Everybody loves carpool karaoke. Michelle Obama did it, and it was great. Dude, that one was yeah, funny. I love those segments. Yeah, I do. But Michelle Obama was, was just driving ar- around in circles on the White House lawn. They couldn't actually go anywhere. <laughs> Must have been pretty nauseating. Anyway, so t- on today's show, we have uh, lots to talk about, including um, we're going to do two Hidden from the Headline segments, and we have some interesting news to catch up on. And in After Dark today, we have a fun new game. So anyway, it's time now for Trumpster Fire 2016. That was actually beautiful. It was a. It was called a Bravo. I had oh. a single tear, just like rolled down my cheek with that. So this week, I, I actually should have called it dumpster fire because we're we're talking about Trump, and in a rare millennial moment, we're talking about Hillary's mistakes. Womp womp. Uh, Elisa, do you want to kick us off with the Trump side of things? Oh boy, do I. So. Trump, this actually happened last week. Trump's campaign manager, Paul Manafort, resigned. And now there's a new campaign manager, Kellyanne Conway. Kellyanne Conway is actually um, the first female campaign manager for a major political party um, in the United States. So it's a big deal from that from that regard. Um, but Paul Manafort, this is a big deal simply because it's so close to the election. We're only a couple months away to change up your staff at that level. That high up is really unheard of. Um, in, and again. In terms of, yeah. I mean, because you because you have to have some sense of consistency and message. And the person who sets the message and the tone most outside, of course, from the candidate, him or herself, is the campaign manager. So this is just clearly denoting that they're trying finally and probably a little uh, too little too late but they're trying finally to bring him more to the center to calm down his rhetoric and that that's what this was all about getting rid of paul manafort you might also remember and one of the things that that insiders are saying about this shakeup is that what put trump over the edge and what had him uh get rid of manafort was the fact that all of that uh business came out about manafort being uh paid off by kremlin Backed political parties over in the Ukraine. We covered that story. I think it was last week, maybe the week before. Um, so Paul Manafort was taking money effectively from the Kremlin, and uh, that's not good. So they got rid of him. Um, now in the days since then, it's sort of subsided a little bit, and we can already see how this is affecting Trump's message. He's out there trying to court the black voters for the first time, and. I have a lot to say about this, but first I want to get, want to get your guys' thoughts because one of the big quotes that Trump has said, one of, one of the things that's been perpetuated in the media is he said, quote, what do they have to lose talking about black voters? Um, I think quite a lot. What do you guys think? What was it that he said? Something like 90% of African-Americans would vote for him. 
in the re-election, he said 95%. Yeah. <laughs> so what in, do 20, they have to lose? in 2020, he's going to get all the African-Americans. <laughs> and just the... That's right, logical. And just yeah, he's not he like promising it. things will get bre- better. He's just saying like, like you got you got nothing to play. So what do you got to lose? Your life sucks. And just where he said it too was embarrassing. He said it in, in a crowd full of white people. And as we've seen before, none of his events have african-americans or any minority voters there um so like he's he's just like you know all the white people standing around him are like yeah yeah that's great that's right (laughs) exactly you got nothing to lose minorities um and as for kellyanne i'm just imagining the scenario because as we've discussed trump has had a very bad few weeks i'm just imagining meeting with him meeting with kellyanne for his first time kellyanne Sitting in front of him, slamming her hands on the table and being like, yo, do you want to fucking win this or do you not? Because we all know Trump loves to be a winner. And the idea of him potentially losing may actually be scaring him now. So one of the things that he said a few days ago or last week was that he does have a couple of regrets with what he said on the campaign trail. But then when he was asked today about that, when he was asked to specifically cite what he actually regrets, he wouldn't name anything. (laughs) So it's... It's like, I'm sorry, but I'm not really sorry because I won't name my my exact regrets. Um, so, you know, who would have thought he would actually say this because he has said previously that that he doesn't have any regrets and he doesn't make any mistakes. Um, so I'm just picturing the scenario now where he is finally taking it seriously, where he's like, well, shit, I actually have to do things to win. He's he's also reportedly going to soften up his immigration policy. Um, there was supposed to be a speech on Thursday about that, but that got canceled because I guess they're working on it more because he needs to get the minority vote or else he's going mm-hmm. to lose. Well, I think he also is already trying to get some of the money that he's getting from his donations back into his own pocket because I don't think he, he secretly is, is really that, he's really that sure he's going to win. No, I don't, think I don't know if you guys either. if you guys heard he he put in fifty five thousand dollars of his donations to buy copies of his own book from Barnes and Noble, mm-hmm. and you know he gets the proceeds from that, right? Which may be illegal, so they're going to be looking into that now. Yeah, they're looking into it now. Uh, but here's a great moment from Kellyanne, or actually, Elisa, do you have anything to say before we shift? I just wanted to, I just wanted to say that his entire shift into trying to court minority voters is apart from being incredibly insulting. I mean, the idea that you can, that you can spend your entire campaign shitting all over people being openly racist, saying terrible things. Um, uh, and, and even having like members of the KKK, like David Duke supporting you, the idea that all of that is just going to be swept under the rug that, that black voters, Hispanic voters are just going to suddenly forget about all of it and be right. like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're pandering. I totally love it. I buy it is inc- incredibly insulting to their intelligence. It- Apart from that, though, I would say him courting the black vote has nothing to do actually with the black vote. What he's actually courting is the white vote because he has so many white people, even people, even white people think he's racist. No, he's racist, right? And even white Republicans know he's racist and that he's having so much trouble with his own base now from the things that he has said and done. And so him trying to go out there and court the black vote, him saying nice, superficially nice things about black communities and what have you. The point of that is not actually to get black voters. 
he and his campaign knows it's a done deal. The point of that is to give his base cover for voting for him. He's trying to get his base back because right now it's mm-hmm. so morally reprehensible to support Trump that even white people won't because they know that he's been racist. So if he softens his language now, you know, those white people can come out of the woolwork and say, OK, OK, look, he's he's changing his tone. So now I feel OK about supporting him. Do you see yeah. what I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good that's a good point. Uh, it has nothing to do with black people. He's trying to get the white people back. He's trying to give them the moral high ground that they feel is necessary before they can come out of the woodwork and be open about their support. Well, and we're yeah, wondering. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say he's trying to get the I'm not racist, but people, yeah. you know, I hope that the American public are smart enough to see through this. You said it, it's insulting to their intelligence. Uh, he's gotten this far because people seriously lack intelligence uh, during this campaign. And people may be easily moved by him suddenly pivoting to these more acceptable positions. Um, so I think I, people that I, are actually... It scares me oh, to see him change. The thing that I'm worried about are the people who don't really watch the news or just watch like a certain like just Fox News or just certain blogs on the Internet where they aren't really informed on everything that's happening. I have yeah, to- in that regard, I will say that we are a thoroughly unengaged and dumb country. I'll say it. That's sweet. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people- <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Um, I have this clip here from Kellyanne. She did this interview with Channel 4 News. This appears to be a channel over in the UK. Uh so as we're as we're telling you all here, his his poll results are not good right now. So in this interview, she's asked about that and the way she she shrugs it off is hilarious. For Donald Trump are looking pretty bad, aren't they at the moment? them now just the cherry-picked polling numbers that are put out there by media outlets that are also bent on his destruction donald trump performs consistently better in online polling where a human being is not talking to another human being about what he or she may do in the election why is that do you think it's because it's become socially desirable especially if you're a college educated person in the united states of america to say that you're against donald trump the hidden trump vote in this country is is a very significant proposition have you been able- so there's a hidden trump vote in in this country that that is making these poll numbers inaccurate because they are not being polled and it has become cool to hate trump which is why she's doing bad why he's doing bad in the polls that is what she is arguing and i i, I said this morning on twitter yeah it is very cool for smart people to not like the literally stupid presidential candidate i mean people who support him are so embarrassing and you have to you have to be you have to be mentally challenged to want to vote for him. And I know this is mm-hmm. insulting to some people's parents in particular, but it's true. Hey, I mean, I have family members that I know they haven't come out and said they're voting for Trump, but I'm like 99% sure they are. Um, we just try not to talk about it because I think I would freak yeah. out. Um, but yeah, it's, I really question the judgment of anybody who says that they would vote for him. Yeah, yeah. I have zero respect. So speaking of this, just to circle back to this uh, previous note about him trying to court black voters, I have to point out to you guys, I don't know if you saw this, but Brianna Keeler had John Kingston, who is a former congressman from Georgia, on her program a few days ago. 
And he's been a very outspoken Trump advocate. He's been making the rounds, speaking out on his behalf and what have you. And Brianna Keeler on CNN asked him, um, you know, how and why is Trump courting the black vote now? It's a bit late in the game. And um, she calls him out. She calls Trump out saying, well, he's not really he's only paying lip service to it. He's not really going to the places. He's not going to the black community. He's just paying lip service. And this is Congressman Kingston's response. Like he's not. He's in Diamonddale, which is 93 percent white. When he was in Milwaukee uh, the other day, it was a part of Milwaukee. Uh, that wasn't well, dealing. I mean, he, it's yeah, but Brianna, it's he, almost he completely went, white. I, I mean, maybe it would have been nice if he went and had a backdrop with a burning car. But the reality I'm is, not, no, 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 no. Look, just to be, I'm not talking about a burning but, car. Yeah. I'm talking about meeting with he, black he, voters. Well, yeah, that's it. So Clark. he goes on. He goes on to say. <laughs> he goes on to try and cover it up by saying some bullshit about. Um, well, you know, the Trump rallies are also open to everybody. Everyone's welcome in, which is patently false. There's been violence at, at Trump yeah. rallies, most of it targeted um, towards towards minorities. But that's besides the point. Let's just talk quickly about how fucking heinous <laughs> of a thing that is to say. I am sh- I am sh- shit you not shocked. Like my mouth is still open. I couldn't I, I did not. I did not watch that clip. The irony, the irony of, of Trump trying to reach out to black voters and then sending surrogates like that to speak on his behalf is the reason why you won't get black voters, you dumb fuck. <laughs> right. As this well, show's official Georgia God. correspondent, I, I'm so sorry. Not going to get these white voters either. That's that reminds me. Yeah, there. it's condescending. because It reminds me of when a people like condescend our generation saying, oh, well, if you stop taking pictures of your food, maybe you'll you'll be able to do this or that. Mm. Maybe we just put a backdrop of a car on fire. Like, what the fuck was that? So let's talk H-Dog now. Laura, why don't you yes. guide us through it? Because you're with her. Um, I <laughs> that's right. I am. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just in case you thought we were going to hear way too much about Trump, I don't want anybody to worry because Hillary's got 15,000 problems and they're all emails. Um, so <laughs> Not a one of them judge, is a woman card. Sorry. Sorry. Cut you off. Uh, a federal judge ordered the release of an additional 15,000 emails, which were previously deleted from Clinton's private server during her time at the State Department. Um, those are emails that the Clinton campaign is saying were not voluntarily turned over to the State Department last year because they weren't, quote, work related. Um, but during the FBI search of her private server, they were found. Um, and as some of you might remember, last month, James Comey, the director of the FBI, came out, didn't recommend any charges against her, said that he didn't see any indication that the emails were purposely deleted or that there was any attempt to hide anything there. Um, so, so far, there doesn't seem to be any substantiation to the idea that these were State Department related emails. Having said that, Elisa, it seems like you were right. According to the timeline that's available right now, it looks like if these do go public, it will be in October. Yeah. 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 This is, no. If anyone thinks that this wasn't deliberately strategized to go to be to go public in October, you're insane. Yeah. Uh, 
But again, right now, there's really nothing in terms of these 15,000 emails that indicates that there's anything bad or wrong with them. Mm. Um, So we're just going to have to kind of wait and see on that front. However, Judicial Watch, which is a pretty notorious conservative organization that has been kind of hounding the Clintons for couple of decades now, uh, recently released 725 pages of emails that are to and from Clinton during her time as Secretary of State. Um, they obtained those emails through Freedom of Information Act requests, and they are claiming that those emails demonstrate how donors of the Clinton Foundation were able to get favors and sort of special access to Clinton while she was Secretary of State. And it specifically focuses on three cases um, in which um, Doug Band, who is a Clinton Foundation executive and other Clinton Foundation aides were reaching out to, is it, I didn't get a chance to look this up. Is it Huma or Huma, her name? Uh, I think it's Huma. It's Huma. Huma. It's Huma Abedin, who is, um, or was Clinton's State Department, one of her State Department aides, uh, one of her top aides. Um, so they were reaching out to her, in order to get access to Clinton on behalf of Clinton Foundation donors. So my favorite one is this first one, <laughs> mainly because it made me think of Andrew. Um, Bono, Hello. <laughs> of two fame, apparently reached out to one of his contacts at the Clinton Foundation. He made a pretty big, a pretty sizable donation to the Clinton Foundation in 2011. And he reached out seeing if there was any way that Hillary could pull some strings for him to get um, U2 concerts live streamed to the International <laughs> Space Station? Andrew, can you answer to this? Like, well, you know, Bono, U2, they like to be different. They they wedge an album into everybody's iPhones. They create these massive stages for their live shows. I think they just want to be different. So Bono probably wanted to be like the first concert to ever live stream to outer space or something like yeah, that. But like, I think he's like 10 years too late for something like that. Why? Also, I don't because I, don't, I mean, at least in my opinion, YouTube's not nearly as as popular as they used to be. Oh, all right. I mean, Andrew's prepared to. I know, and I know he was ready. <laughs> I mean, they're fast. doing a world After... tour right now. They're kind of popular. I think they can find twelve people on the International Space Station. I'm not offended at all. By the way, it's fine. Uh huh. Okay. It's okay. What yeah. was their response? Um, by the way. So Aberdeen's response to that, um, when, um, when Doug Band reached out to her about that, and this is what isn't getting publicized, by the way, when he reached out to her about that, her reply to him was, quote, no clue. And then nothing else ever happened with it. <laughs> well, so, that response. So yeah, this is one of the things that's cracking me up about this whole quote email scandal is people are like, oh, people from the Clinton Foundation are getting special access to her during her her tenure as Secretary of State. And this is how her aide is responding to these types of emails being like, bro, like I got much better shit to do. I have no idea how to even begin to deal with this. So she basically just let it die on the vine. That didn't go anywhere. Um, however, there are a couple more examples that I can, I can definitely see why people find them concerning. Um, there was a sports executive who was trying to arrange a tourist visa for a British footballer who happened to have a criminal record. And when this athlete had applied before, they had been rejected as a result of 
their their criminal record. Um, and so Band had reached out to Aberdeen and said, like, hey, heard from this person. Is there anything that we can do? Can you reach out um, to to I think the state was Nevada. Can you reach out to Nevada and see if there's anything that we could do? Um, and Aberdeen's response had said, it makes me nervous to get involved, but I'll ask. Uh, uh, is basically then, admitting that there's a problem here. <laughs> yeah. Um, however, Band then replied to her and said, well, then don't. And the 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 athlete never ended up getting a visa. So, I mean, while it does seem like Aberdeen might have been willing to ask about it, it doesn't look like anything ultimately came of it. But like, mm. how many times have we said something like that where we said, I don't know, I'll ask, but we really don't. Sure. We just no. do that just to kind of give them the run. Yeah. True. It could I be agree. Just... But we also don't work for the secretary of state. Correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think it definitely it is indicative of, of something. Of I, potentially. Maybe. I mean, again, I'm biased here. I don't see that it is anything all that out of the ordinary. I feel like politicians talk to people who fundraise and give them money all the time. Yeah. I don't well, here's, see. Yeah. I, I don't know. Here's what's the, so out of the ordinary about that, personally. The bigger problem here is that I've yet to see evidence that any of this manifested in a meaningful or concrete way. I right. think that, I think that, for example, if we had emails that said, that indicated that, uh, anyone at the State Department, including Hillary or her people, were willing to, I don't know, use visas as a bartering chip or whatever. If, it, if this email, for example, clearly led to a visa being acquired, uh, that would be a very different story, a much more legitimate story. But that's not what happened. And as I understand it, one of the problems with this, with the Associated Press reporting on all of this is that they were also a little misleading about it in their social media. So mm -hmm. they released in order when they started promoting this email story, they released, for instance, like this, this, this like quote card. And it said that over 50% of people that Hillary met with while she was Secretary of State were also donors to the Clinton Foundation, clearly trying to say that she gave preference to people who donated. But that 50% figure, it was over 50%, they said, that figure did not take into account U.S. government officials or foreign government officials. It was only looking at private U.S. citizens and private U.S. companies. So yes, about 50% of the private citizens she met with were also donors. But it wasn't 50% of the entire body of people she met with. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was only 50% of a subset of people. There's a big difference. And when they, when they reanalyzed the figures to see what percentage of people she met with donated to the campaign – on whole, when she looked at, when they looked at everybody, it was like less than, it was like less than 8%. It was 8 or 9%, which is not, not that much. Right. And I mean, I think another perfect example of this, and this is another thing that people are, are screaming about is that the Crown Prince of Bahrain wanted to arrange a meeting with Clinton during a visit to DC because they had previously reached out 
over official channels and not had any luck. And so a Clinton aide reached out to Aberdeen and tried to see if they could arrange something um, directly. And the the reply that, that Aberdeen sent them basically said, like, hey, I can offer this time tomorrow. You know, if you see him, let him know. But we did also reach out through official channels. Mm. So indicating that that in return, Clinton's office had also reached back out to this person through official channels to offer them something. So this is also a response that's getting left out. People are just reporting the top headline, which is, Clinton met with the crown prince of Bahrain, and we know that Bahrain has all of these terrible human rights violations, which is true. Yeah. But again, they're leaving out the important information like, hey, this actually went through official channels. Now, I will say like all of this. All of this, I think, is indicative of the fact that there could potentially certainly be a conflict of interest going on. However, as Elisa stated a couple of minutes ago, there just hasn't been any concrete evidence. There hasn't been anything to substantiate that allegation yet. And until there is, I really think we need to find something else to focus on. I think that there are legitimate, genuine critiques that can be made of Hillary Clinton. She has fucked up in the past. She has lied in the past. So I feel like if you want to call her for some of that, please do that. But this email thing so far doesn't seem to have any legs other than the fact that it keeps perpetuating news cycle after news cycle, because we keep getting, Oh, there's 15,000 more emails getting ready to come out right in time for October. Yeah, I agree. And I would say too, to that point, Laura, anyone who has a problem with, with this email scandal, non-scandal, in my opinion, keep this in mind. This is happening in October for a reason. And it's because they're trying to play you. It's because they know that just using the buzzword emails in conjunction with Hillary Clinton or her campaign is all a lot of people need to hear to get up in arms and get pitchforks and and be upset. And they know that. And they're playing you. They're doing it on purpose. Mm. That's why it's not happening until right before election day. And that's why they're, that's why the Trump campaign is continuing to focus on this. If you read the AP story that broke this story, and if you read other stories about it, you know, for and against Hillary, and you come to the conclusion that there was substance here, that the substance of the story, um, really paints Hillary to be a corrupt person, then I'll respect that. But do not be somebody who just hears the word emails and hears little bits and clips from people and from cable news and then draws a conclusion based off of not having all the facts. Don't be that person because you're just a fiddle in Trump's shitty parade. Yeah, I would also like to point out that the Clinton campaign did come out in regards to the 15,000 emails that are going to be released at this point. And they said, hey, like we went through all of our emails. You know, those particular emails were not work related. However, if a second look at them does turn out that some of them are work related, um, that we miss something, we would be happy to cooperate in terms of making those publicly accessible. So they're being 
very cooperative in my opinion. Um, and that, that kind of willingness to be as open as possible about the contents of those emails indicates to me that they're probably not that worried about those contents. Yeah. So that should tell you something too. Uh, I'm still wondering if Bono is going to get his space concert though. I think he's earned that. He's done a lot of good for the world. I think we have earned that. I think we should send Bono to the International Space Station. Well, you two make a donation to the Clinton Foundation, (laughs) and it sounds like you'll get whatever you want, because Hillary's a fraud. (laughs) Um, I get lots of emails from Hillary, like, all the time, guys. Um, I'm going to release those. Yeah. um, Here's the weird thing. They're all asking for money. (laughs) Yeah, right. Hey, uh, by the way... Uh, Hillary's campaign manager, Robbie Mook, he is hot. <laughs> he is H-O-T hot. I saw him on MSNBC last week. I was like, whoa, what? And and then I Google him, and he's gay. And the best part of all, he doesn't have Twitter. He stays away from Twitter. I just, this guy oh, I thought perfect. you were going to say he was single. Well, probably. I mean, he's got a busy job, but I am into him. I'm with him. That's gross. <laughs> I'm in him. That's disgusting, Andrew. Why? I'm objectifying. <clears throat> no, no I was being, not, it's being facetious. Oh. Yeah, it's unnatural. Oh. Oh. It's unfucking natural. Yeah, well, it's going to be unnatural for him to sit on my face, but I don't care. <laughs> yeah, well, let's let's get that let's get that ball rolling because talking yeah. about October surprise, I would be all over that. <laughs> I love that shit to drop out of nowhere. <laughs> God damn! Uh, everybody- I will pay for that. Who do I have? What, what organization do I have to donate to to see him sit on your face? Oh God! I will donate. Uh, millennial LLC. I will That's... go. I will go bankrupt and 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 be poor forever if 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 donating means he will sit on my face. Maybe we should ask. Maybe that should be if we get a chance ever in a parallel okay. universe to ask Hillary a question. It should be. If we donate to the Clinton Foundation, can we get your campaign manager to sit on our face? Yeah, that sounds great. Everybody Google so, Robbie Mook. Hmm? And we'll yeah, Facebook she's actually um, getting ready to do a phone call with some of her supporters, like a Q&A thing. And I got an email the other day. and was like, what question do you want to ask Hillary? Maybe I'll put that one in. You yeah. have one now. Oh, my God. You guys, this, this is this is serendipity. All right, this this is, just got important. The campaign just got real. Yeah. <laughs> because this is what's important. These are the questions that need to be asked. Yep. Well, here's what else is important. This is hidden from the headlines. And our first story for this segment is actually for you Canadians, um, especially if you live in Ontario and especially if you live in Aberfoyle. Um, Nestle, back in the news, they are taking water from Aberfoyle despite the fact that the town is undergoing a severe drought right now. Now, Nestle had a permit to take this water uh, and by the way, they take 8.3 million liters of water from the local spring every single day. 8.3 million liters a day. And they've had a permit to do that for the past several years. But that permit expired on July 31st. Um, however, they've issued a request to renew it through Ontario's Ministry of Environment. The ministry is going to allow residents to comment on their application before making its final decision as to whether to renew that permit. Um, so if you live in Aberfoyle, I recommend you contact your local Ministry of Environment and you tell them that this is some righteous bullshit 
if that if that if those facts in and of themselves don't upset you, um, maybe this will. Ontario charges companies only three dollars and seventy one cents for every million liters of water that it, it that it extracts from the spring, <laughs> and and the the permit fee ranges between seven hundred fifty dollars to three thousand dollars. That's a one time fee. That's it. So you pay a fee of a few hundred or maybe a couple thousand dollars and then three dollars and 71 cents for every million liters of clean water. And that's it. And then they get to take it and go and make a shit ton of profit. Meanwhile, your town is going under a drought. So how's that? We should launch our bottled water company. This sounds very affordable. Sounds very profitable. Millennial water. Well, we gotta focus. We gotta focus on our milk from Mars <laughs> first. <laughs> hashtag Don't forget. water. The hashtag is silent. No, we should see what Nestle does if we tried to, you know, undertake a, a you know a business dealing like that. Like if we tried to go in there and start pumping our own water and not actually do it, but just see if Nestle like tries to sue us or something. Yeah, we can call it Messly. <laughs> oh, but oh. Oh, they, guys, I'm on it. The Associated Press has just posted a new email from Bono to Yuma. It's asking if um, they can bottle water over on the moon as a way to <laughs> beat Nestle to the <laughs> to, to their next. Except, big... hmm? except Bono wants it to be his urine, which is completely clean and full of electrolytes. Hello, hello, and perfect and wonderful. <laughs> and my urine is red to promote Project Red. <laughs> oh, I remember red. God, yeah. Yep. Each, each bottle comes with one of those white one bracelets. <laughs> Why does he keep wearing glasses? Is there something wrong with his eyes? What is he hiding? Yes, he has a sight. He has <laughs> something he wrong with his. He's probably wanting to go in the space station because he wants to go home. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you guys see ET? Well. He, he's a he's a Terminator. Okay. Oh, the bad jokes in it are very high right now. So what else? Meanwhile, what else? Yeah. Okay. I want to say quickly though, if if okay. seriously contact your Ministry of Environment. There now there's different every district or what have you has their own local Ministry of Environment, but um the the main telephone line and you can be directed to your local Ministry of Environment. Their phone number is 416-325-4000. So give them a call and tell them that this is bullshit and you want your fucking water. And if you don't get water, you at least want more than $3.71 for it. <laughs> at least double it. Come on. I mean, at least get around four fucking bucks for a million <laughs> liters of water. At least do that. For the love of it, Christ. It's, it's more expensive to pledge to millennial. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> God, does it that means with like a single a single monthly pledge from one person, we could go get a million liters of water. Yeah. Yeah. And bottle it and then resell it. Hey gang, That's... it sounds like the people of people of Aberfoyle need to Aberfoil Nestle's plans. <laughs> What's oh, our next dear story? Lord. Okay. Oh, well we're gonna yeah. I'm gonna so. kill you in November, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! I got by the end of this is this is number two. <laughs> I'm trying to keep this together. All right, I'm getting my new bad jokes ready.
Hidden from the headlines, number two. This is, we're bringing it back to America. Land of the free. Home of the stupid. By the end of next year, a third of U.S. states won't have a choice between healthcare providers under the Obamacare market. Seven states are projected to have just one carrier in 2017. That's Alaska, Alabama, Kansas, North Carolina, Oklahoma, South Carolina, and Wyoming. And then about 55% of the country may end up having just two or fewer insurers to choose from uh, in each state. These findings reflect the fact that a bunch of major healthcare insurers, including Aetna, United Health, and Humana, are going to be sharply reducing the number of states in which they operate next year. Now, they're saying that the reason that they're going to be pulling out of states' healthcare exchanges is because they're losing money on their plans there. Um, the reason they say that they're losing money is because people are a lot more sick than they had anticipated. And the reason, the only reason that the Obamacare uh, exchange was going to work is because there were supposed to be healthy people who would get involved and that would balance out the sick people. So a healthy person pays all this money and they ended up not using their policies very much. And that balances out the fact that there's a lot of sick people who use their policies a whole fucking ton. But healthy people have not really come out of the woodwork. Instead, everyone's just real fucking ill. Um, so they're losing a lot of money and they're pulling out. This is a big deal. Because if you guys remember, when Obamacare was being peddled and um, um, supported by the Democrats back in the beginning, they said, you will have a choice. We're not telling you which doctor you can go to. You're going to have a choice. You can see whoever you want. Um, and that's still true to an extent. But you only have a choice insofar as you can only see the doctors supported by one insurer now. So um, that's happening, and that's gonna that's this is gonna be a really big talking point, I think, in in the months to come, especially as the election goes underway, because you know Hillary obviously supported Obamacare as most Democrats did, mm-hmm. and she continues to support it and continue. Um, yeah, I mean, one question that I have, and again, the, the, and I'm not asking like rhetorically, I'm like actually asking here, um, the states that you mentioned, um, how many of those states are ones that declined um, expansion of, of, of Medicaid? That's a good question. I don't know. Okay, I don't because know. I you, no you, mentioned, you mentioned a few states that I know did reject the expansion. And for people who aren't familiar, um, part of the way that Obamacare was supposed to work is that the states were going to be allowed to expand their Medicaid funding, which would basically cover a lot of people who sort of fall through the cracks in that um, they make too much money to, um, to, to get on Medicaid, but they don't make enough money to qualify for insurance subsidies. But a lot of the states that turn that down are seeing a lot of people falling through what's being called like a Medicaid crack, basically like you're too rich, but you're also too poor. Um, And so stuff like Obamacare is costing more money. I was one of those people, as a matter of fact, up until recently, I was spending $220 a month on my Obamacare because I, I, I made too much money to be on Medicaid. Uh, By the way, I made $700 a month at that point. So uh, take that information and do what you and and do what you will with it. Um, but my question here is, 
not only are they finding that so many people are sick, they're also saying that enrollment was much lower. And I'm wondering if there's any correlation between these states potentially being states that didn't accept the Medicaid expansion yeah, and lower enrollment than expected. Uh, by the way, the Medicaid expansion, I think, was going to be covered by the Fed uh, yes. like up to 90% or something like that. So I don't understand why states didn't take it. Um, I think because it had the name Obama on it. No, you're right. You're right. Mm. There is there is a part of this that is explained by that. So some of the, I don't know how many, but some of the states did not take the expansion, which was going to be federally funded. The only reason they didn't take the expansion was because it was Obamacare and it was an election year. And they were concerned that by taking the expansion that they were going to be painted as pro-Obama and very liberal asshat, whatever. Uh, and you're right. That has made that has made the costs of things go up and that has decreased enrollment. So there is a lot of accountability on behalf of some of those states, not all of them. The other part of the story, though, is that Aetna recently tried to merge with Humana and the Obama administration stopped that. They said it was going to be a monopoly. It was going to be. Um, too powerful, too big of an insurer. And so the Department of Justice stepped in to prevent that merging. And the second they did that, Aetna pulled out of most of of the Obamacare exchanges. They just Mm -hmm. stopped. And there is a lot of evidence that suggests the only reason that they're pulling out of of these states now is out of retribution for not being allowed to merge. And as one example of such evidence... Two weeks before the Department of Justice stepped in to stop the merge, the CEO of Aetna came out and said that the Obama exchanges were great, that they were a worthwhile investment. He thought that they were going as well as they could go under the circumstances and that they looked forward to expanding to 15 new states. They were planning on expanding. Not two weeks later, Obama says, no, we're not going to let you merge with Humana. And they say, well, fuck you. Obamacare's stupid anyway. And they pull out of all the, of almost all of the exchanges. There's a lot of, there's a lot of like shady, just business practices going on here in terms of what the health insurers are doing too. All right. Well, well, fuck. And all of this, just to wrap it up, is by me is by way of saying we talk a lot about this dumpster fire. We talk a lot about the campaign, and those things are are important. But this is why. Mm. This is why those things are important. It's not important because Trump has some shitty dead ferret resting on his head, and we all like to laugh about it. It's not important oh. because of. It's not important because of emails or Bono or whatever else. This is why <laughs> because 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 there's people's lives are on the line because because of healthcare because of the environment like these are the issues that we should really be be taking with us into the ballot box. Agreed. Panelists, please scroll past the four photos that I pasted of Robbie Mook in the show. Doc. Okay, I was going to ask you. Um, Did I do that? On purpose? Are we done? No, no, we still have more. It's time for Quickfire News. Quickfire News. This was just called, you know, news. But then we were like, oh, fuck, we're at 50 minutes. Maybe we should make it Quickfire News. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Quick as fuck. Here we go. Uh, first of all, Ryan Lochte, he is the U.S. swimmer. Uh, he was over there in Rio for the Olympics. He 
as we all know by now, he made up this story about him and three other swimmers getting jumped at the Olympics. But he was actually just covering up the fact that he and said swimmers drunkenly vandalized a gas station. They pissed on it. They pulled out a uh, they pulled out uh, a soap dispenser. Mm-hmm. They tore down signs, shit like that. So he made up this story like an immature two year old would to cover up what they actually did. Of course, the International Olympic Committee vehemently denied it at first, and everyone was like, "Oh, fuck you, Olympics for covering up the crime that's happening in Rio." Well, it turns out that they were right. So we probably owe all them an apology. They, we thought they were covering it up, but they weren't. Um, anyway, Speedo and Ralph Lauren Polo have now both dropped their sponsorships of Ryan Lochte. Uh, he did apologize, by the way, but his apology was stupid. Um, and the, the, one of the bigger problems with this was that people were already on edge about rio they were unsure if they could actually host the olympics because of crime that happens there so when this happens and it didn't even actually happen it looks really bad on the city so fuck ryan lochte for trying to cover his ass and making the rest of the city look bad in the process just so immature what a douchebag yeah yeah what I really love about this as well is that representatives came out on his behalf and was like, oh, he's just a kid. He made a mistake. He's 32. Right. Right. Just a kid. They literally said yeah. that. He's just a kid. They don't know what to do. And he was like, oh, I was outside of the country. In his apology, he was like, being outside in a foreign country, you know, it's scary. Like, dude, you're... What? Well, like, then like don't Laura vandalize said. shit. Right. Yeah. Go home. Stay in your hotel room. Don't go out and cause trouble. I don't know if you guys have ever seen any interviews with this guy. He literally has the IQ of a jar of mayonnaise. He's an idiot. He's an idiot. Now his hair looks like mayonnaise. (laughs) Why he died? What the fuck is wrong with this guy? Next story: Gawker is now no more. That is Gawker.com. There's their subsites like Deadspin, which is their sports one, and IO9, which is their tech and entertainment one. Those are all still online. But uh, uh, Peter Thiel, 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 the billionaire. Uh, bankrolled Hulk Hogan's lawsuit against Gawker, uh, his sex tape lawsuit, uh, because Peter was just as as pissed as Hulk was about Gawker because Gawker outed Peter a few years ago as a homosexual. Um, Now, a lot of people are saying, hooray, Gawker's gone. Fuck that site. They suck. Uh, A, I will say I have thoroughly enjoyed Gawker over over the years, whether you love them or not. The fact remains that they were a huge influence on how people write online. And um, the scary thing here is that you can bring down a news organization if you have enough money. That's what this proved. They, they, They drove Gawker bankrupt and the founder, by the way. Ladies, I know you're you you are happy to see gawker go but not at the expense of 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 this dangerous precedent well i would call it a dangerous precedent if i consider gawker um much of a news news organization (laughs) i don't consider them news i i think i mean not that they've never done a, a news story in their life but i think the moment you tread into destroying people's personal existences that i don't really care what else you do if i you know i read a lot of vox for instance but if they started if they showed someone's personal sex tape on vox i would no longer be a fan of vox um because that's bullshit uh in addition to whatever they did or to to, to hulk hogan um it's my understanding i read about i read about a girl a college girl 
who um what they had they there was a tape that was it was taken without her permission of her having sex with someone in a bathroom stall and the guy i think the guy in question took video of it and gawker posted it without her permission and when she begged them to take it down um even going so far as to write them letters and get a petition and whatever they refused and they actually said to her well maybe you should just be more careful next time um, that's not a news organization. That's- and I think anybody who posts videos, whether it's a celebrity or not doing personal thing, like sex, nude photo, nude photographs, whatever. Yeah. Right. I, I don't have, I don't have, that's, that's slanderous or whatever you want to call it. I just, I don't have respect for that. All right. What if it was a sex tape of Robbie Mook? Would you be mad then? I wouldn't. If he was okay with it. If it was with you and Robbie Moo. <laughs> oh, you you I'll I'll release that. We won't need Gawker to steal it from me and release it. I'll I'll post it myself. <laughs> That's part of the ten dollar tier on Patreon. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he's the top or bottom. Ask that to Hillary uh, next time you speak to her. I think he I think he's verse. He looks like he enjoys everything. So um oh, Univision has purchased Gawker's subsites. And Matt, apparently they're paying a lot of money, paying Peter Thiel a lot of money. Oh, yeah, they're paying him. They're paying him about forty or four hundred thousand dollars a year, basically for 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 two years of him not if he promises that he won't work for another site that is quoted as a rival site. Nick for Denton. Univision. Sorry, we missed yeah. up. Not Peter. Nick Denton, the founder of Gawker. Yeah, Nick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think. I just think he's making more money. He's making money off of just being himself. Like the fact that he that that Nick Denton is just Nick Denton, that they are paying him sixteen thousand dollars a month for two years just just to not do anything. Yeah, I mean, non-compete clauses are pretty standard. And I think their thinking is like he would go and launch a new Gawker. <laughs> a new Gawker, by the way, that would not get sued into the ground and have to go bankrupt. But nonetheless, a new Gawker, because then maybe people would go to the the other site that he creates instead of Jezebel and io9 and these other ones. But it's only for two years. Like, what what's to say what's to say that he won't just save all the money that he's getting from them just so he can hire a new team and create that a rival could, site? That could very well happen. It probably will happen. It probably will. Because he'll need more money after that. Uh, uh, what other news is going on, Elisa? So earlier this week, the Department of Justice announced that they're no longer going to use private prisons moving forward. Um, the Federal Bureau of Prisons, which houses about 22,600 inmates across the country, is not going to renew their contracts with private prison companies. And so everything will just be state run. And this is a big deal for a lot of reasons, not the least of which is that private private prisons are notoriously corrupt. They don't save the taxpayer any money. We subsidize the shit out of them and they end up just costing more because they're private. And so they are for profit. More importantly than that, however, they also have a long history of just abuse. Um, the, the conditions in the prisons are deplorable. Um, they're known to torture some of the prisoners. Um, and because they're private prisons, it's sometimes more difficult 
to to inspect them and to implement any kind of regulations because they're private entities. So finally, someone's doing something about this. Thank you, Obama. Yeah. Um, the only problem with it, and this is a great precedent, so I, sh- I don't want to downplay it, but the only problem is that federal prisons only house about 12% of our country's inmates. And they're um, already the rest- full capacity, most of them. Yeah. But they only house 12% of our inmates. The rest of them are housed by state prisons. Far and away, most of our prisoners are in state prisons. And so this doesn't fix a whole lot in like the big picture. But the hope is that maybe states will slowly begin to follow suit. Yeah. This is great news for Alex, Piper, Crazy Eyes. I mean, they, they all have it hard in their for-profit prison, so. And Puse. It took me a minute. It took me a minute to get. What <laughs> <laughs> the fuck is he talking about? No, actually, in all seriousness, Orange is the New Black, the show I'm joking about, on Netflix, it's actually a very, if you, now, I know this is not, a, 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 a the show is not an education necessarily on private prisons, but it does show you just how bad the conditions are there. It can give you an mm-hmm. idea of how bad they are, and that's it's one actually, of the goals yeah, of the show. I mean, the, the previous season has brought up awareness for uh, brutality in uh, state prisons. Right. Well, actually, the, but the prison in uh, Orange is the New Black is a for-profit prison. Right. Yeah. 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 That's and what I'm should, saying. And we should remember that even though these people are, you know, convicted criminals, uh, oftentimes are convicted of nonviolent drug offenses. And so let's not, you know, let, let's not be callous about it. I think a lot of people hear, oh, prison system, whatever. They just don't care. You know, they don't care if they're being um, abused or neglected in any way because they're convicts. But most of them um, are convicts for like just having like, you know, a dime bag of marijuana yeah. or something, mm-hmm. you know, like it's not you know, if, if these were like violent sex offenders, then yeah, you know, fuck them. But like, that's that's not what we're talking about most of the time. Yeah. Cool. I hope Robbie Mook never ends up in prison. He's perfect. You really just you're tying <sighs> back to everything. Yeah, we love. need to just we need to let him go. I need to close yeah. my tab. I, I, I need to delete I these photos. I fully endorse this. <laughs> you need I, to take his last name though, Andrew <laughs> ew, Mook. Ew, his Andy name. Mook. I like it. Mook. I, I'm impressed by how you're able to to tie him back into everything. Let's see if you can do it for this next story. Seriously, this is a test. This is a test of your love. Okay. If you can successfully make him relevant to this next story, then you know you can have him. All right, I'll slip it in when you least expect it. What are we? That's what he said. About? <laughs> I don't so, think that was relevant to anything she just said. Final news. I'll I'll slip in the reference. Final story. Uh, I love when things go viral. And every, all news sites love writing about things that go viral. Well, a Texas teacher's no homework policy has gone viral. And this, I don't think this is necessarily a new trend, but I was thinking about it because actually there's a school near me and I drive by it pretty regularly and they have a freaking banner right outside the school that says, we don't give out any homework. <laughs> Almost like they're trying to sell kids on coming in. <laughs> anyway, so this Texas teacher, she wrote this note. Uh, to to parents it's no a new homework policy she wrote after much research this summer i'm trying something new homework will only consist of work that your student did not finish during the school day there will be no formally assigned homework this year and she says mrs young 
Research has been unable to prove that homework improves student performance. Rather, I ask that you spend your evenings doing things that are proven to correlate with student success. Eat dinner as a family, read together, play outside, and get your children, your child, to bed early. What do we think about this no homework policy? We all did homework as a kid, right? Yeah, totally. Um, Duh. I mean, I do agree that the, the research does not support the idea that loading kids down with two tons of homework will um, cause them to perform better in school. Um, I used to be a teacher. I was a fan of the flipped classroom, um, which is an approach that basically takes, it makes it student centered rather than teacher centered. Um, and that does require a little bit of homework, but um, essentially it can be something that's like 15 or 20 minutes of the student's time outside of class so you can give them a material before you teach the the topic, like a video or something to give them a little bit of context that they need to do at home before they come in. And then you actually design student-centered activities around that topic for the following class. Mm-hmm. I always found that giving them that little bit of preparation and then having them come in and do activities that put them in the middle of it rather than me made them perform far better. So I'm definitely a proponent of giving them some kind of activity outside of class. Um, However, I don't think it's necessary to bog particularly children down with tons of exercises to basically keep them busy in the afternoon when they get home from school. That's what homework kind of feels like to me. Right. I don't remember too much uh, I don't remember the article saying what grade or what ages her students are. Do we know? No, but it's, I mean, again, it, it, the age in this case isn't particularly significant because bogging anybody down with two tons of, t- two tons of homework has not been proven to be effective, mm. um, which is something that I think is really interesting because I came out of an education graduate program and they didn't seem to get the memo on that. But that's a completely other discussion. I just remember, I was trying to think back after reading the story about how much homework I used to have. And I remember my evening, my afternoons and going into the evenings being taken up by a lot of homework some days. Hours. Yeah, hours, hours yeah. and hours of homework. Yeah, and it's just like kids, especially kids, deserve their own time to do what they want. Now, should they be playing video games? Should they be rotting in front of the couch? Staring at their billionth hour of SpongeBob? No, not not necessarily, but that's up to the parents. Uh, I don't think the t-shirt, t-shirt, teachers should be bogging them down with with schoolwork outside of school for the purposes of keeping them busy, as you said. Or or even just having so much homework that it it creates just too much um, just too much disdain for it because right. if, yeah, like if I have so much homework to do i'm going to probably not do most of it because it's just too much <laughs> like that was like that and was you, like, you'll hate like, let's be honest matt you're not gonna do any of it yeah let's be honest i'm not doing any of this and then but holding but having homework holds so much weight towards your grade in in class in general too yeah that like i don't know it i just hate homework <laughs> You've been done with homework for like a decade and you're still like, I fucking hate that. Yeah, I didn't know I had so much hatred for it still. It's it's buried down there. I probably have it. Oh, God. Never mind. I don't want to go there. You just found a pile of homework you never completed. I know. Fuck. <laughs> uh, 
seventh grade science. I just so speaking wish it, of homework, how does this relate back to Robbie? I was, I was just gonna say that. I wish I wish one of the teachers assigned me blowing Robbie Mook for my homework. <laughs> Because he's like around my age, right? Is that weird? I don't know. I'll look at his age real quick. No, Andrew, it wouldn't be weird for your teacher to assign two underage (laughs) children (laughs) to engage in sexual activity with each other. That wouldn't be bad at all. All right, college. College. He's 36. (laughs) That's good. I've kind of wanted a daddy type, but not too old, you know? It's like the okay. that's like the Jerry Sandusky school for children over there. It's like, <laughs> I mean, oh, maybe man. this is what happens. Oh man. If he was helping me with my homework every night, I would have been an A plus student all the way through. Alright, sign now for surprise bitch. This is where we call Robbie I mean uh one of our supporters <sighs> over on patreon.com slash millennial. Uh, we have a game that we're also going to carry into After Dark today. I'm going to pick a number today. Do it. Oh, screw the rest Do of it. you. I'm picking you it. Lucky 66, which is re- which is Becca Pot. <laughs> hey, Becca, any relation to Mrs. Potts? <laughs> uh, I cracked myself up. You think you're funny. What? What is wrong with you? <laughs> Are you are you drunk? No, I'm fine. Have you been drinking this whole time? I'm high on life, y'all. Uh, okay. By the way, guys, we're playing Guess Who's Drinking, and it's Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> it's spelled P-O-T-T, just like Mrs. Potts. Do you mean Mrs. Potts like the actual pot? No. Well, like from, from Beauty, Beauty and, and the Beast. Beast. Yeah. Hello? Becca? Oh. Yeah. Hi. Surprise, surprised, bitch. bitch. This is Millennial. Oh, What's up? Myself answering this phone call because it probably is millennial. Oh, and then it was. Oh, good. I'm not joking. Oh, that's so sweet. Where are you in this world? I am. Well, I'm from Albuquerque, <sighs> but I live. I know. I knew you would love that. I tweeted you last week about the balloon fiesta. Oh, you did. I appreciated that. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, you liked it. It's oh, fun. right. Yeah. Glad yeah, you yeah. don't remember. <laughs> um, hey, I like a lot of tweets on Twitter. Uh huh. Go anyway. on. So, where do you live um, now? But I live in Las Cruces, which is just north of El Paso. Oh, okay. Texas. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Okay. What so, are you up to yeah. tonight before we interrupted you? I'm working right now. Oh, okay. But that's okay. Where you at? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm an auditor, so. I'm in this tiny town called Clayton, New Mexico, which is like on the border of Texas and Oklahoma and Colorado. Um, So, yeah, it's pretty exciting. I'm just doing accounting stuff right now. I hear that Scientologists are very pro-auditing. Is that something that you deal with a lot? Scientology? No, because I'm not in California. (laughs) (laughs) Shots fired. Um, I mean, only the two of us. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> Becca, it's coming back to me now. You, you said, and I, I remember it perfectly. You said, thank you, Sims, for catching yourself on season two, episode 30, and not calling the balloon fiesta the balloon festival. I remember it now. I wow, you remembered that, that or are you reading that? it right now? No, no, I remember it. He's, no, he's <laughs> reading it right now, I bet. I am certain. I am excited to go to the balloon fiesta. Are you going this year? This year? Yeah, I'm going to stay with somebody. Can someone Wait, please tell me what the going? fuck a balloon fiesta is? Hot air what, balloons. What is the biggest hot air balloon 
in the world. Oh my gosh, I just saw. I was just thinking a bunch of people holding balloons. No, no, hot air balloons. Drinking. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we all go and hold an inflatable balloon. Um, Bill Clinton's going to be there. What did you ask, Becca? When? I would, yeah, when are you going? Like the, the, the middle, in the middle of it, because it'll be after my in sister's the, oh, wedding. Oh, so you're going during the week? Yes. A oh, local okay. said that'd be the That's best good... time. Yeah. Yeah, no, that is the best time to go, not during the weekend, because the weekends are really busy. But... Cool, cool. Yeah. So we have a little game yeah. to play with you, Matt. So this is kind of a, a, a little taste of what we're going to be doing in After Dark. We're going to be playing this game, and it's basically a who said it kind of game, and we're theming it to, uh, quotes that donald trump's have said and okay. we're going to be doing a couple games with either uh with either kanye west or hitler or <laughs> mussolini so since okay since we're going to do it since you're going to be the guinea pig the first one you get a choice of which game do you want to play of which people i'm gonna go trump or kanye i'll probably get that one right the best but i don't actually know okay yeah you know. gotcha okay. no, we'll, we'll do this we'll do this okay all right who has said it I have never seen a thin person drinking Diet Coke. Oh, that was Donald Trump. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Because I'm obsessed with Diet Coke. (laughs) Me too. No, no, I get it. No, shut up. I get it. I love Diet Coke. There's just something about the taste and especially kind of burn. That's not a joke. No, it's it's legit. And there's Diet Cokes that taste better than others. From McDonald's, right? Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. There's something about yeah. McDonald's Diet Coke. McDonald's Diet Coke is the best Diet Coke in the whole world. I'm glad you agree with me, Matt. I am so glad that you understand. Me? Yeah. We're on the same wavelength. Yeah. You guys we don't are. understand. Like we, like we are part of this club. Okay. Uh, there yeah. is a lifestyle. Right. Yeah. The best Diet Coke is actually Coke Zero, and it comes in a can. Oh, I'm no. sipping one Coke right Zero now. Is not, it's not Coke. It's not Diet Coke though. Disagree. Disagree. They're different. All right. Uh, Give Becca one more since since she was yeah. an expert in that one. Sure, sure, sure. Okay. <laughs> You're disgusting. That's it? That's all I got? <laughs> I think okay, everyone I'm, says I'm that. I'm go with I'd, Kanye, but... It's actually Trump. Oh, <laughs> but, you, but you're right. That was, that was unfair. Uh, to put it into a little context, it's what Donald Trump said this to an opposing lawyer during a court case when she asked for a medical break to pump breast milk from her uh, for her daughter. Oh my god! Oh lord! I told her she was you're disgusting. Oh lord! Oh god! <laughs> uh, <laughs> I could do another one if you guys want. Or oh, sure, one more, one yeah. more. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll do a better one. Um, yeah, one that's longer than two two words. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My IQ is one of the highest, and you, you all know it. Don't feel stupid or insecure. It's not your fault. Oh, that's Kanye. Is that's, that not Kanye? It's Trump. That was Trump. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> Max God. pulled a fast one on you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, really I, I, I love these Trump and Kanye ones. I was on the fence stuff. about that one. Yeah, I'm on the fence of a lot of them, and I know the answer. All right, well... <laughs> Becca, I'm I'm sorry, but you know no, you're a winner because okay. you grew up in Albuquerque, so and you like I, Diet Coke. I, I agree with both of those statements. So we were going to send you a lifetime <laughs> supply of Diet Coke, but if you sent me a lifetime supply of Diet Coke, I would save a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, that's true. Oh wow, wow, diehard anyway. fan here. 
We're going to have you on the show and talk about it for like an hour sometime. Oh, I could do that. I can easily do that. No, Becca, you and I should just have our own show then because I'm right there with you. I take Coke. My office has like free Diet Cokes and I take like two of them home with me every day. Oh, I'm so jealous. I agree. Diet Coke is superior. I've had two Diet Cokes during this recording. So basically, Andrew is the only person who doesn't agree on this. And so. But he also drinks. He drinks that citrus Rattler Coors drink. <laughs> I know. That doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, I know. Well, they're Sorry. never going to get rid of Coke Zero. It's the manly Diet Coke. That's why they it's sell the it. It's the manly Diet Coke. It is. Yeah, I read up on it. Okay. Anyway, Becca, thank okay. you. It was nice speaking to you. Thank you. You Absolutely. too. Have a good thank night. Thank you, Becca. Thank you Bye. for your support, Bye, Becca. Yeah. Bye. Oh, no, thank you, guys. Bye. You're welcome. Oh, she was super sweet. I liked her a lot. Yeah. She likes Diet Coke. She's, she knows what's up. You know, we were saying that we all say you're disgusting to people, but you know who I would never say you're disgusting to? Me. Robbie Mook. <laughs> Robbie Mook. And with that, <laughs> we're going to... I think to... it's time to stop. I will never stop loving Robbie Mook. What's our outro song today, Elisa? Our outro song is your song. This is for you and Robbie Mook. I think this is like this is a song that is going to be played at your wedding. We're excited for you. We're happy for you. And um, congratulations. Thank you. It's a Thank, Led Zeppelin. Song. Thanks everybody for listening. Don't forget, please support us on Patreon. We really appreciate it. And on After Dark today, we will continue to play this Who Said It game with a few callers. We're going to be calling a few of our supporters and getting them. Hopefully, Matt's got some other quotes besides Trump quotes. We'll find besides out. you're disgusting. Who cares? Like, whatever. You will be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we already are. Well, <laughs> we'll see everybody. Way to sell it. See everybody next week for episode 32 of season two. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. It's a nice number two. <laughs> <laughs>